Welcome to the Journey to Medicine podcast, where you'll find fascinating stories from Stanford students and faculty about their struggles, setbacks, and successes in their journey. Follow along as these conversations help inspire and empower you. And now, your host, Sarita Kamani, faculty at Stanford. My guest today is Jessica Busing. Uh, who is currently a third year internal medicine resident at Stanford and will continue as our chief resident next year. Jessica, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. So can you um, just talk a little bit about your current day-to-day responsibilities so that you know, the listeners can understand what it is as a third-year resident in, in medicine, and then also how would it change when you become the chief resident? Yeah, so so right now, as a third year, we, those of us who are third years, we rotate through um, both inpatient and outpatient settings. As an intern, so the first year of residency, we do a lot more inpatient time, um, and then there's more elective time and consult time uh, in the second and third year of residency. So right now, I'm kind of going back and forth between inpatient rotations, where I'm either taking care of patients on the general inpatient wards, or um, in subspecialty services, um, inpatient cardiology, ICU, those types of rotations. I actually just finished a month in the ICU. Uh, last week. And for the past week now, I've been doing express care, which is the urgent care clinic for outpatient. And that's, it's really fun to kind of go back and forth between different settings and get a feel for a lot of the different possibilities within this career path. So I personally love inpatient medicine. It's one of the things I've enjoyed the most since the beginning. So I look forward to going back into the hospital pretty soon. After this holiday break, um, I'll be in the ED doing a rotation at the VA. So um, admitting patients directly from the emergency department into the hospital, which I've done before. And I really enjoyed that rotation as well. As for how my uh, responsibilities and my role change next year, that's a good question. Um, So the chief residents uh, do a lot of teaching. They do morning report with the residents Monday through Friday and um, do case presentations with the help of the residents and the medical students, and the interns, and do a lot of um, teaching of physiology and uh, the pathophysiology of the diseases that are being presented. And so I really, I'm looking forward to doing uh, a lot of the teaching that goes on with uh, being a chief. And then they also rotate on uh, as attendings on the general medicine wards, both at Stanford at the VA. It's a mix of teaching and then attending. And then obviously, you know, there's um, administrative responsibilities and working with the program directors and um, also supporting the residents. Yeah, no, that sounds, um, it's a great leadership experience, of course. And then um, it also sometimes is um, a great segue into being an attending and the further leading the residents and those medical students in their education. So now let's go back to uh, your early years in life where you grew up and did you have any um, dreams at that time or any significant influences at that time that shaped what you're doing? It's so funny thinking back on how I got to where I am because my path here was so uh, <laughs> all over the place. So n- there's nobody really in my family who's a physician. My parents are not medical. 
And my great grandfather was a doctor, but I never, I never met him. So I'm not a lot of medicine in my family. And I grew up mostly in Southern California and spent a couple of years actually in Geneva and, and Switzerland in kindergarten and in fourth grade. And right around fifth grade is when I moved out to Palos Verdes near Los Angeles. And my mom worked out of downtown LA. And so I spent the rest of my um, high school, middle school and high school years in, in Southern California there. And I, I remember like very distinctly one time in elementary school thinking that I wanted to be a pediatrician because I'd gone to the doctor and like the, mm -hmm. the pediatrician had been very nice and thought, oh, that seems really cool, you know, taking care of kids. But, but I had no, I mean, I had no idea what medicine was or any of the, any of the details other than what I saw as a kid going into the pediatrics office. But uh, there is a, like a yearbook photo from fifth grade that said like, what do you want to be when you, you know, grow older? And my two options that I wrote down were a professional ice skater and a doctor, mm, <laughs> which okay. are both very different <laughs> career paths. And I was not particularly good at ice skating, but I, for some reason, thought that was going to be, uh, <laughs> that might be on the table. So it was, you know, just a passing thought really um, through all of, all of my childhood and, um, and into high school. And I was really involved in a lot of sports growing up. I was, I played soccer very um, competitively my whole life. And then I also um, did a lot with music and I played piano for like 20 years and I did a lot of singing and I was in choirs. So I was really interested in pursuing uh, music and kind of seeing where that would lead me. And I, I did artwork. So when I initially started in college, I really, I thought I was going to do an art music double major, <laughs> very different yeah. from where I am now. So there um, was no, um, no thought in your mind when you applied for colleges that you might be taking the medical route. Not, not even, no, I it was just so far from my mind. And it, it's, I remember in the high school too, being nervous to take really hard science classes because I was told that they're really challenging and that, you know, people were, thought they were so hard and studied so much for them. And like AP biology was just, you know, so challenging. So I remember feeling like, oh God, I probably shouldn't take those. What if I can't, you know, what if I can't do it? <laughs> and then as it turns out, I'm actually much better at math and science than I am at like literature and English. So, <laughs> so I was probably going the wrong direction, but it was just, it's interesting to kind of look back on it and think about how that was instilled in me in high school about, oh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't do this thing that might be mm -hmm. really hard. Mm -hmm. Do you know if that was uh, just you telling yourself or you're, you're looking at your friends and saying, wow, this person seems really smart and I don't know if I can do what this person is doing? Or was it somebody else telling you that this is too hard, leave it? I've thought about this a lot because I know it's in particular for women um, and you know young girls, the idea of being scientists and going into um, scientific fields is it's, it's just different than it is for, for boys. And I, I wondered if there was some kind of gendered aspect to it. And I can't say that I, that there definitely was, but I do wonder, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself as I think many, um, you know, many high school kids do to do well and get A's and, uh, definitely had fear of fear of failure. And I think that's, that's not uncommon. And I, I, you know, I worked really hard and I, I wanted to go to a good college and, you know, I, I, I wonder if it was just, it was just worried that I wouldn't do as well as I thought I could. Mm -hmm. uh, so you enter undergrad, where did you go? 
I went to Williams College in Western Massachusetts, small liberal arts school. Um, it's got about 2000 students undergrad and it was actually a smaller than my high school was. So um, it was a very, very different experience. Hmm. Um, but it was one that I was really excited about. I, I knew that I wanted to go to a small school. It, funny enough, it was the only school I applied to, which in oh. retrospect was a very silly thing to do. <laughs> but I applied early decision and I just never looked back. Hmm. Okay. And then you were thinking of doing music, um, art? Yeah. So I started out um, studying. I started out with music from the beginning because I uh, I knew I loved music. I didn't know how a, a career in music would look. Um, I didn't know what I would want to do with it. I didn't know if I'd want to teach or if I'd want to try to sing or do something, you know, performative. But I started as a music major and I was in, um, I was in multiple choirs in college and throughout college. And I, um, I was in an acapella group and I really just dove into all, a lot of different musical extracurricular activities in addition to majoring in music, which was really fun for me and a, an interesting path. And I'm glad that I did it, but I, I still sort of felt the whole time that I didn't know really what my plan was in the, in the end. And I also, I think I didn't know how to ask people for, help or guidance on, you know, where to, where to go with it. I think it was just sort of, I was in college, I made it to college and now I was studying and that was kind of, <laughs> that right. was, that was it. I was like, okay, here I am. I made it, you know? Right. So you, you, throughout four years of college, you said you, even towards the end, you still weren't hundred percent sure where this was leading to. So I studied, I did, I did end up majoring in music. And then I, um, I took a course on, psychology, clinical psychology, my, I think it was my sophomore fall or my sophomore spring. So, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And I was learning about depression and anxiety and how that manifested for people and, and bipolar disorder. And I remember reading the books for that class and, and I was just was like, wow, there are people who take care of um, you know, people who are going through these experiences. And I, I, so I, I kind of became interested in mental health in college and I became really interested in the human psyche and emotional development and personality. And I had a mentor in college who, um, who I'm, I'm still in touch with regularly, who is a clinical psychologist and who taught that class. And, um, I, I really was inspired by, by learning about, by learning about all of that. So I ended up in the last, you know, year and a half or so of college, cramming in the psychology double major. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned about um, a lot of different ways that therapists work with with patients. And so I think that was my initial interest in um, a, a path in, in clinical in clinical work. And so um, the summer between my junior and my senior year of college, I actually ended up moving to Buffalo, New York and mm-hmm. uh, working at a <clears throat> behavioral therapy uh, summer camp for children with behavioral disorders. And it was, uh, that was my first clinical experience, even though I was, you know, a summer camp counselor, I was, I was really working on this, uh, behavioral disorders like ADHD, oppositional defiant disorder, conduct disorder. It was really inspiring for me to think about, okay, well, maybe this is, um, maybe this is a path that I would take working with kids. And I ended up um, doing a similar thing the next year. I worked at the 92Y, uh, 92nd street Y in New York city, and I did a summer camp right after I graduated from college where I worked with kids, mostly with autism spectrum disorders. And so that was, those were my first experiences that I thought, okay, these are, this is what I want to do with my life. So the question is, <clears throat> at that time you finished college. Now you did 
and you start out with thinking about music and arts, was it tough saying, oh, I'm giving up what I was thinking at, at one point I will do and now kind of uh, going towards a different path. Was there any struggle about that or this was so interesting and intriguing and you really wanted to just go into this field and find more about it? I had a lot of questions in my early days out of college for myself. I thought a lot about what I wanted to do and where I was going with everything. And in the middle of my senior year, I ended up um, securing a music teacher position in Italy. Mm -hmm. uh, so I actually moved to Trieste in the northeastern part of Italy next to Slovenia and close to Croatia. And I spent a year there at an international school teaching music to kids. And it was one of the hardest years of my life. Mm -hmm. I was in a new country. I was in a new place with mm. new people. I had no idea how to teach. I had very little experience teaching. And here I was in these <laughs> like, you know, elementary and middle school classrooms trying to come up with a curriculum in music, which I, you know, obviously I had no experience in curriculum development either. So here I'm doing this curriculum development and trying to teach kids and I didn't, I, even though I had experience doing, you know, behavioral therapy and like working in small groups with children, I'd never worked with a whole classroom of rowdy children who were, <laughs> you know, running around and excited and talking. And I, I, so I didn't know how to control the room. I didn't know how to teach the music. I, it was, it was just flying by the seat of my pants the whole year. It was very challenging. <laughs> and um, I mean, living in Europe and going back and being out there and uh, my parents were actually living again in Switzerland at the time. It was actually really fun for me. I got to do a lot of traveling around and ask myself a lot of those questions again of, okay, well, here I am, I'm living this life, I'm living abroad, mm -hmm. I am experiencing all of this, and, uh, and I'm teaching, and I'm, and I'm doing music, and, but I still was kind of in the back of my head thinking, well, I really want to go back to this mental health stuff, and that's, I mean, that was really what I really still wanted to do, so it was, I mean, it was such a great experience, it was, like mm -hmm. I said, it was very hard, but I think at the end of the day, I knew that I wanted to do something uh, in mental health was again, my, my first thought. So I had a friend at the time who was a nurse practitioner who I spoke with over the phone and uh, she kind of talked me through what it was like to be an, a nurse practitioner. And she was a, she's a family NP. And so I, um, I remember having this long conversation with her on the phone and being like, you know, is what I do a PhD in psychology, what I do a PsyD, which is, you know, the non-research psychiatry degree, uh, what I do, met a more medical route with a nurse practitioner degree. And I had never, I mean, I'd never heard of a nurse practitioner. I didn't know what nursing, mm. I didn't know that there was an opportunity for doing mental health in nursing. And so I thought a lot about the different ways to get into mental health, you know, social work. And, and I started this, this idea of being an NP and doing psychiatry kind of appealed to me. Um, I, I remember briefly thinking, well, again, I could go to medical school and be a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh no, that's crazy. Like that's crazy talk. Why would I ever do that? And so I, um, I actually- Just going back to what you just said, why did you feel that was crazy at that time? Uh, well, I hadn't done pre-med and I, I didn't know post-bac was an option. I didn't know that people I didn't know people went back and did medicine after college. I thought if you weren't pre-med in college and that was mm -hmm. it, you know, that was your, ch that was your chance. And if you didn't do it, then that was, that was that. And obviously that's not the case. And especially now as people have more and more um, sort of meandering paths to medicine and there's a lot more non-traditional paths. But at the time I remember thinking that that was just crazy. 
And um, what, what year? What year was this? Yeah, if you remember, this was in two thousand nine, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah, I graduated from college in two thousand nine, and so that year from two thousand nine to two thousand ten is when I was living in Italy and kind of thinking about what my next steps would be in my career. Okay. And so, I I moved to New York City after that year was over, and um, I started taking prerequisite classes for nursing and. I went to a school, a CUNY, a City University of New York, I think, mm -hmm. uh, in Brooklyn. And I was just taking prerequisite courses for nursing school. So I was taking just, you know, basic anatomy and, physio anatomy and physiology. I was taking some basic biology courses, microbiology. It was, you know, in a lab mm -hmm. growing bacteria on agar. And I was like, this is <laughs> not what I expected to be doing at this part in my life, but here I am. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for a little while. And in the meantime, I started looking for positions doing um, research in psychiatry or in psychology in the city. And as it turns out, it's very hard to get a job in research if you have no experience in research. And so I, mm -hmm. I ended up just sort of volunteering on certain um, projects that were going on at the time. Mm -hmm. So I found a, a mental health research project at Mount Sinai, recruiting patients for a study who were in the inpatient adolescent psychiatry unit at Mount Sinai. And it was to look at um, borderline personality disorder traits in adolescence. And so I, you know, like I said, I didn't know really that much about it, but um, I, I was there to learn. And so I kind of helped with trying to recruit patients to the study. And I, you know, I didn't do that for very long. I, like I said, it's, it was hard to get any kind of like full-time positions as mm -hmm. like a research assistant or any, anything like that without any experience. And so I just kind of volunteered my time. Now, and did I you found... do that uh, now for, you know, somebody who might be interested in applying to nurse practitioner school, is that yeah. a requirement doing research or is it more to just for your own experience? Uh... Yeah, it was more for my own experience. I really wanted to, I wanted to to have more uh, exposure to actual psychiatry. I think, you know, as I was planning to go into nursing school, I, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't have any experience other than what I learned in books and in class. And, you know, obviously working with the kids that I worked with, but that was a non-medical environment. And so I was hoping to get some experience doing a little bit of research and to see if that was something that appealed to me. As it turns out, it was not. Okay, <laughs> I am a re research is not my strong suit, mm -hmm. and I, I did, like I said, I did I did some dabbling in research on my path to medicine, but it was never something that was a big part of my a big mm -hmm. part of my career path. How long did it take you to do the nursing school prerequisites? Not very long. You know, I already had my undergraduate degree, and so I mm -hmm. still I had you know some of the prerequisites were things like a psychology, I, I think like a social sciences courses or mm -hmm. you know a math class or something. And so um, I just had to do, uh, I, I probably like four, four classes or so, not, not okay. very many. And I applied to nursing school. I think I had to take the GRE, whatever mm -hmm. the, the, mm -hmm. the entrance exam is, and then applied to start nursing school in 2011. And so I did end up starting at Columbia for their nursing program in 2011. Okay. And the nursing program was supposed to be uh, how long, two years or... It so it was, it was a combined program. So it was a one year to get the bachelor's of nursing. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you would do a nurse practitioner part, which was, it depended on which subspecialty, I guess you could call it of nursing that you were doing. So there was like adult nurse practitioner, pediatric, family, uh, critical care, NP, 
psychiatry, obviously, which is what I was doing, and then the midwifery program. So for me, I think it was an extra two and a half years on top of the one year of on on top of the one year bachelor's. Okay, so so total about three and a half years, and then you could graduate and then start working practice. Practice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was it was actually it was a much obviously quicker route. There's no residency program. You just kind of go straight into the workforce and sort of learn on the job. Just wanted to find out what your thought process was. Did somebody tell you, hey, why don't you look at medical school? Or that like that was not even an option at that time, just because, you know, the pre-med requirements and of course the training is so long after that. Did you even think about that or you just said, let, you know, this is what I'm doing? I remember looking at the somebody told me about the post back that postback was an option. And I remember looking at Columbia's postback website and looking at the pre-medical courses. And, you know, this was the second time I had looked at it. The first time, like I said, I remember being like, oh, that's crazy. Why would I think about doing that? And then the second time was kind of like, well, now that I'm thinking of doing something more on the medical side, rather than just doing non-medical clinical psychology sort of PhD route, then I started to think about it a little bit more. And I remember initially thinking, God, I just, that just seems like such a long road to do what I want to do. I, if I want to be doing therapy and helping manage medications for patients with mental illness, like I really didn't feel like I needed to go to medical school to do what I wanted to do at that time. And I, especially because I really wanted to focus on learning different types of therapy. And I, I remember speaking to people in different fields um, in psychiatry and psychology who had gotten different types of degrees and trying to get a sense of scope of practice and um, the road that people took. And I, I had a bunch of friends who had taken a, a, a route going to, to through the nurse practitioner program and not necessarily in psychiatry, but just in general. And I thought that just makes so much sense for somebody like me who's already, you know, I'm out of college. I'm kind of meandering, trying to find my way. And medical school seems like a really big commitment mm-hmm. at this point when I don't really know that it would be that different of an experience for mm-hmm. me if what I really want to do is, you know, work with patients with clinical depression. Depression was particularly an interest for me, depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, like I said, adult, you know, child and adolescent in particular as well. So I thought I'm going to be a psychiatric and ad- child adolescent psychiatric nurse practitioner. Like I don't need to go to medical school. This mm-hmm. is really what I want to do. So it seemed like a mm-hmm. faster, more efficient and more economical route to get to where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So medical school didn't seem like it was, it was a good fit for me at the time. Okay. And then you, uh, so then you started at Columbia. I right? started at Columbia nursing school mm-hmm. in uh, mm-hmm. June of 2011. Okay. When was the time that you started thinking about medical school? Yeah. So, you know, like I said, it was a one year bachelor's program and I started a, it was, so it was a summer semester, fall semester, spring semester. And then, uh, and then that was the end of that, that portion of the, of the program. And I remember being in the middle of it that summer and it was a combination of things. Um, One is that we were learning everything really quickly. It was a very condensed program, as you can imagine. And there was a, a physiology course, an advanced physiology course that we were taking that summer. And I was mesmerized by it. I just, I was so fascinated. I'd never known about the kidneys or how they worked, about 
electrolytes. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know about like the heart and the, I, the, I mean, I knew the heart had four chambers. I'd taken mm-hmm. an anatomy course, but just the way that it all worked. And mm-hmm. I just, I was so fascinated by all of it and like how the different channels worked and the calcium channels. And I remember thinking, this is awesome. Like, wow, this is so cool. I just want to know everything about this. And it was just this one course. And I just, I spent so much time studying for it and thinking about it and reading about it. And, and, you know, part of this program, in addition to doing classroom learning, you're, you're rotating as a nurse uh, in the hospital. And so I was a nursing student doing clinical rotations at one of Columbia's hospitals, the Allen Pavilion, um, which is up on the Northern kind of tip of Manhattan. And I remember being on just a general medicine floor for my first preceptor experience. And I was following around one of the nurses from that floor. And my first day, you know, it was an eight hour shift and I was taking care of these patients and I was doing nursing, typical nursing things. And I was learning about the medications that the patients were taking. And I remember every medication being like, what is this? What is it for? How does it work? What does it do? And then, you know, patients asking me about side effects of things. And I'd say, I don't know, let me look it up. And so I'd go back to the internet and I'd look it up and I'd say, okay, what are the side effects? Why are these the side effects? How does this work? What does it do? And I just, I was so interested in the minutia of it that I I was like, I have to know everything, (laughs) which of course is impossible, but I just, I wanted to know more and I wanted to learn more in depth, all of this. Then I started thinking about medical school at that point. I started thinking, well, maybe... I I love psychiatry and I love mental health and I love taking care of patients who have mental health disorders and I it's near and dear to my heart, but I started thinking, well, maybe more of an internal medicine type of thing is what I want and what I'm interested in like that. Nothing had been so like had resonated with me so much on an, like just as a, a field of, you know, as, as much as pathophysiology and physiology, I was just so, I was so interested. And so, so that's when I started thinking about it and I started asking around and saying, you know, what does a career in medicine look like? What does this path look like? Do I really want to dedicate myself to a post-bac and then four years of medical school and then however many years of residency? Is this something Mm -hmm. that really makes sense for me? And so I interviewed people. I found doctors, I found nurse practitioners, and I started asking again and again, you know, what does this look like? How does it work? What do you, what do you regret about this career path? What do you wish you had done differently? And why do you think this was a good path for you versus the opposite, you know, and trying to get a sense of what people's answers were, because I just didn't have enough knowledge at that point about the different career paths to really make a decision. And then as I talked to people, and as I went through the nursing program, it became very clear. I was, I was, Mm -hmm. I had no doubt. Take us a little bit through your thought process, because I would think that it, it's, it can be overwhelming, right? Uh, Yes, I like this. I really see myself doing it, but I kind of I'm starting again, I'm literally starting the prerequisites now, and then I'll have to go through the training of four years and then residency, whereas here, two more years, two and a half more years, and I could be practicing. And right. you, probably had, you probably had your college mates or high school friends who were probably already you know, working and, and here you're thinking I'll be a student and I'll have all these loans. So was it scary at that time? It was Just, scary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. And then it was, was it, yeah. And then how did you overcome that frightening thought and was there support from family and friends? 
Yeah, it would have been impossible without support. I mean, my my parents supported it. My my partner supported it. It was just it made sense for me personally. And, you know, I was really I really became excited to to do it the more I thought about it. And I think, you know, part of it, too, up until that point, I, I felt like I was just making a series of decisions based on information that I had at the time. You know, like first it was like, OK, well, I'll teach music and see how I like that. And then it was like, oh, well, I like psych. So maybe I'll maybe I'll go in that direction and try that out. And you know, oh, I like working with kids. So maybe I'll try working with kids. And I felt like everything I did was just kind of, okay, well, this is where I'm at. So why don't I just take the next step and put one foot in front of the other and just see where it goes. And I think that's, you know, it's not an easy way to live life, but it's an exciting way to live life. And it was, it, <laughs> it made for an interesting path that meandered and, and brought me to different places and had me, you know, meeting a lot of different people and thinking about a lot of different paths that might work for me. And so so yes, it was scary, but I, I mean, I really did have a lot of support from my, my parents, which made it, a, you know, a, a lot easier. And I, I, I you know, I, I recognize I come from a, a spot of really a privilege to say that I, I had that support, both, you know, emotional and also some financial support as well that made it a lot easier, I think, than it is for a lot of people. So, you know, I, I made that decision um, after thinking about it for a really long time. And then, and then it, it really did become clear. It was like, okay, well, I guess that I really want to do this. And I, you know, part of it too was I, the idea of doing nursing and becoming a nurse practitioner was really exciting to me, but I also felt a lot of anxiety about, you know, what some of my NP friends were saying about kind of learning on the job. And that's, I thought that was really stressful. And so what I really did want to, I did really want the training. I really wanted to go through the whole four-year medical school program. And I really did want to go through a full residency and for me, it was just, okay, well, this is just the path. Part of the enjoyment of all of this is getting there. You know, I mean, it's not, mm -hmm. even though getting to the point where I, you know, had an MD after my name and was practicing and then attending, which I, you know, I'm not still not there, mm -hmm. but like that, the idea of getting to that point felt like a long road, but I knew that I was going to be enjoying every step along the way. Mm -hmm. And so that's what made it an easier decision to make. Mm -hmm. At what point did you uh, leave the nursing school? And then what did you do to get ready for med school? Yeah, so it was a pretty quick turnaround. I started the program in June. I quit the program in September after I finished one semester. Mm -hmm. And I applied to the post-baccalaureate program at Columbia that fall. And I started post-bac in January of mm -hmm. 2012. So it was, a very, it was a very quick transition over. And then post-bac was one year, right? That's when you- Post-bac was- so, yeah, so I had to do all of the pre-medical requirements. I, I had to mm. kind of start from square one. I had to take basic biology. I had to take basic chemistry. I had to take organic chemistry. I had to take physics. I had to take, I, I even had to repeat a math course that I hadn't <laughs> taken in a long time. So mm -hmm. I, I really had to take all of those courses. And the fun thing was how much I really loved it. Like mm -hmm. I love organic chemistry, which is like such a weird thing mm -hmm. to say and something I never expected to say, but it was so fun. And I remember doing all the synthesizing problems and just sitting in my room, drawing out on my little, like, you know, as an art, mm -hmm. as someone who had done art my whole life, I was like, Oh, I get to draw. This is really fun. <laughs> so I, I took four semesters of post-bac. So it was a spring, summer, fall, spring. And then, um, and then I finished in the end of the spring semester in 2013. When did you take your MCAT? Yeah. So this is, this is, this was like a part in my, my path that was a little bumpy and made me worried that I had made a mistake. So I actually um, applied to the linkage program to Columbia Medical School, which means that uh, there was a connection program between postbacs and the medical school 
that allowed you to sort of fast track and not take an extra year between pre-med and medical school. So the idea would have been for me to uh, finish the post-bac program that spring and then start medical school just a couple of short months later. So it was a way to fast track the process. And obviously as somebody who came to medicine five years after college, I wanted to make it as fast as possible. And so I had a contingent acceptance to Columbia Medical School, contingent based on my MCAT score. And the first time I took the MCAT, I did not get the score that I needed to get to get into the medical school. And I remember just being absolutely devastated when I got my score back and thinking, and I remember the anxiety about it too. I mean, the MCAT is an extremely anxiety and you know provoking exam because mm-hmm. it felt for me at that time, it was like, this exam is the only thing standing between me mm-hmm. and a career in medicine. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I've made it this far I had the acceptance in my hand and all I needed to do was get the score on the MCAT. And then I just, I couldn't get it the first time I took it. And so it ended up pushing my, uh, pushing my matriculation back a year. And I just, I just remember being so devastated. I was supposed to go on a trip that summer to, I was going to go to Sweden and uh, Denmark and do this whole trip and ended up putting it all, canceling all of it so that I could study again for the MCAT. Mm -hmm. And then the funny thing is, is I took the MCAT again and I still didn't do, I still didn't (laughs) do well on it. And, uh, and they said, it's fine. We'll accept you anyway. So I I actually got really, I got really (laughs) lucky that they decided that, you know, maybe my MCAT score was not, was not the the be all end all of everything, you know? So you got accepted and that must be really exciting for you at that time, right? So you could see now clearly what your path looked like in terms of Mm -hmm. med school and then residency. Now, when you started med school, were there any surprises? Well, first I'll say that I think that taking a little bit of time to come to the conclusion that medicine is what I wanted is actually a really good thing that happened. I think that there are a number of people who go straight through college to medical school who at a certain point in medical school think, what am I doing? You know, why am I here? Is this really what I want? And I had the benefit of having gone through all of that already. Mm-hmm. I, re- I had thought through it. I had, you know, stayed up late at night, you know, with an you know existential crisis after, you know, one <laughs> after the other thinking about what mm-hmm. I was doing with my life. And so by the time I got to medical school, it was crystal clear. This is the career I want. This is what I want with my life. I have no doubts. And I want to work hard and I want to learn. And so having a little bit of extra time and also some working experience, you know, mm-hmm. I had done, I had done teaching, I'd done some research, I'd done, you know, various things. And I had, I'd done a lot of tutoring and pre and post-bac and after post-bac, I tutored a lot of pre-medical students and I just loved the science and I, and I knew that I did. So I had, I had no problem. I was like, this is where I'm meant to be. And, you know, obviously medical school is challenging, but one of the things about Columbia, which was a great place for me, I mean, culturally, it was a perfect fit for me, was that the people that I was in school with were just incredibly well-rounded and loved music and loved sports. And so I was very involved with doing extracurricular activities in medical school. I was the president for the PNS club, which is the the, one of the longest running, you know, multidisciplinary sort of clubs in medical school in the country, which we, we had some somewhere of upwards of 60 to 70 student run organizations that were the club, the music club, the different student run, cl- uh, student run clinics. And I mean, anything that you could think up, students did it. And so 
there were a lot of people with so many different interests and I just met so many wonderful people there. And, and I didn't feel like I was giving up a part of myself, which is what I had initially thought that medical school might be. Mm-hmm. I felt that I grew. I felt that I, I really got to um, enjoy the parts of myself and of my life that I had loved up until that point. And then some, you know, it was, it was a great, I mean, it was a great experience and yes, yes, it was hard and I studied a lot and I didn't sleep a lot, but it was, I mean, it was really meaningful and, um, and it was a great place to be. It just seems like your journey to medicine or med school at that point had been so fascinating with different experiences, different times when you had to really look inside and think of what you wanted, talk to people, and you did all that. And it seemed it seems to me that when you were in med school, that seemed right to you. And then mm-hmm. how did you decide you wanted to do internal medicine at that time? So I think I had an inkling early on that I wanted to do internal medicine because I knew I like looking at labs. I like interpreting them. I like thinking about all the different organ systems. And so, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not much for procedures. I I enjoy them. And I I loved looking at surgery and being part of it and learning about how it happens. But I knew that I didn't want to do surgery longer term. I, I thought maybe I did for a little while. I actually really considered doing OBGYN too, um, Mm -hmm. in part because I thought the surgeries were so fascinating. But at the end of the day, I, I thought that internal medicine was a better fit for me. And another thing, you know, and this is, again, this is a big part of my, this is a big part of my journey as well, is that I, um, I became pregnant with my son, my third year of medical school. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my thoughts around my career and specialty I wanted to go into were also about, you know, what makes sense for me and my family. And, I, you know, I remember sitting down with my advisor and saying, okay, let's, you know, I want to, I need to plan out my fourth year because my due date is May. I need to get my sub eyes out of the way and done so that by the time I apply for residency in the fall, I've, you know, I've gotten all of that done and I don't have to worry about it. And so I said, okay, well, I want to try out OBGYN and, and internal medicine are the two things I'm thinking about. And she said, okay, well, how about this? Like, let's do a sub eye in OBGYN in you know, March, and then your sub I in medicine in April. And then my due date was May, May 2nd. <laughs> and I remember thinking, you know what, let's just drop the OBGYN piece. Like, let's just do the sub I in medicine, because I, mm-hmm. I knew, I knew in my heart of hearts mm-hmm. that medicine was really the right thing. So I ended up just skipping over the sub I and OBGYN and just going straight for internal medicine. Okay, so that's how the decision was made and you needed to do that. So, so um, and I know that you are an advocate for women in medicine. Tell us a little bit more because this question does come up from all the uh, students who are thinking of applying. What is the work-life balance like in medicine, especially for women? Yeah, and so starting in medical, medical school, I... This is this is such a huge interest to me, and this is something I'm I'm you know pretty involved with at this point in my career too. Is is you know the issue of fertility for physicians and um, and family planning. I think it's it's a big problem. It's a it's you know a lot of it's cultural, and it's something that I care really deeply about. So you know when I started thinking about this in medical school, I remember meeting with you know one of my advisors, and I sat down in her office and I said, you know, I really want to have kids. When should I do it? And her response was really, I mean, it was just, it was so great. She just without blinking was like, well, whenever you want them. 
<laughs> which I was kind of a, like a novel thought. I was like, what do you mean whenever, like, like now, like I want kids now, should I just have them? And, and, you know, so that was, a, it was a great answer to a hard question. And I think that one thing I kind of heard over and over again was, well, there's no good time. And I, you know, and to some extent that's true, but I think the good time is the time when you want them. I think, you know, that's the best way for me to think about it is when I think about the grand scheme of my life, right? Like I, we will all die someday. And when I look back on my life and I think about how I spent my time, I knew having kids and having a family was important to me. And that's something that I really value. And I did not want my love of medicine, my interest in my career and my, the hardworking side of myself to get in the way of that. And so I, I took her advice to heart. I really advocate for having kids as soon as you feel like you're ready for them. And so for me, that was in medical school. And so my son was born during my fourth year, again, right after I did a sub-I. I remember I was like two days away from my due date, you know, waddling around the hospital <laughs> at 40 weeks and being like, oh man, okay, <laughs> any moment I could go into labor. And so um, I had a lot of support from my, my, my medical school too. And I had told them early on, like, I really want to have kids. How are you going to support me in doing that? And I think turning the narrative from this is my decision. This is what I'm doing. How are you as an institution going to support me is a much mm -hmm. better way than I hope my institution is okay with me having kids. And that's like, I, my advice, I'm, I'm so, so much of an advocate for no, this is your life. This is your family. This is your decision. You make the decision when it's right for you and your institution needs to find a way to work around it. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, historically for women, that's a really hard position to, to take on this. And I, there is fear of retaliation and with all of the best intentions, I was told multiple times, well, maybe you shouldn't tell people when you're, when you're, when you're interviewing that you have kids. And I, I turned it around. I said, no, I'm going to ask every single place I interview, what is your policy on families? Where is your lactation room? Because I don't want to be at a place that doesn't value mm -hmm. my life and my family and my decision to have children. Like that's not a place that's a good fit for me culturally anyway. And I recognize that I think it is harder in more com competitive specialties. I mean, internal medicine is a really big specialty and there are a lot of programs, but for places like neurosurgery or something where there's, you know, two spots at a program, or I recognize that that's a different situation. And that's, and I don't think that this mentality is as widespread as I want it to be in different specialties and surgical subspecialties in particular. And so I recognize that, but I think that in order for us to change the culture, we have to change our own mentality and be bold and ask for what we need. And so every single interview that I went to I was nursing and I needed to pump. And so at the end of my interviews, I'm like, when the interviewers are saying, you know, what, what questions do you have for me? I'd say, well, where's your pumping room? I have to go pump before my next interview. Mm -hmm. And uh, where's the daycare? And do you have residents with children? And, and that was a really important piece for me. Stanford immediately, I, I interviewed with um, Dr. Ahuja, who I absolutely adore. And I remember asking her and she said, yes, we have residents with kids. Yes, we have daycare. Mm -hmm. Yes, we have a lactation room. It's right upstairs. We'll show you how to walk up there right when we're done. And so having that really positive reaction to I'm mm -hmm. a parent and I need support. What can you offer me as, <laughs> you know, that was, and maybe, you know, maybe that was a, a, a bold way to do it, but I think that that's important. And I really want, I want women to feel empowered to ask for that. This is a really important area. And we know that more and more women are going into med school. I mean, more and more seats are being filled by women. So we do need this thing where we have the support where if they want to, as you said, if they want to start a family, 
there should be full support from the institution. So kudos to you to taking this on and leading the way for other women when they join medicine. So this is really great work that you're doing. Oh, I think we are going to be ending soon. So, but before we end, what would you tell a student who's interested in medicine? First of all, if they're not sure about if that's the right thing for them to do. Second of all, if they're scared, if that this is a really tough journey. And then third of all, any other advice that you want to give them about life in medicine? Yeah, so I would say my first advice is be brave and be bold about going for medicine if that's what you think you want to do. I think there's a lot of hesitation because it is such a challenging career path. But if it's something you're passionate about and interested in, like go for it. You know, I, I didn't get a good MCAT score. I still got into medical school. I'm still at Stanford as a resident. And, you know, I still get anxiety taking standardized tests. It's not my strong suit. And there are things that everybody has that are weaknesses. And that's one of mine. I mean, I have many, but, but that's one of the ones that I was really worried would get in the way and it didn't. And so I, I just, I think it's important to tell people to have confidence in your abilities, even if there's a piece that doesn't shine. People think that they need to be perfect to go into medicine. I have to get the right GPA. I have to get the right test score. I have to have the right letters. And there are ways to be successful in every path in life, even if you have failures along the way. I think that's my first and foremost point, because it's so important for us to remember that one failure does not mean the end of the world. For people who are interested in medicine or who are thinking about different paths in medicine, for example, nursing, being a PA, being an RN versus an NP, being an MD, there's so many ways to take care of patients. There's so many paths. And then even in medicine, I mean, there's so many different ways to go like surgeries, subspecialties, internal medicine. And then, and then once you're in internal medicine, there's fellowships. I mean, it, you can do anything you want in this field. I mean, there is just so much knowledge. Nobody's ever going to know it all. It's, and that's what's so special about it to me. It's like, I learn every single day. I think that's one of the things that appeals to me about this career path is I get to go to work every day and find out something. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your journey and uh, for the invaluable advice. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm happy to talk about all of this. And now for the disclaimer. The Journey to Medicine podcast and its guests provide general information and entertainment, but not medical advice. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by Journey to Medicine team are those of each individual and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Journey to Medicine team and its guests, employers, sponsors, or organizations we are affiliated with. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for joining us.